Uh, well, we're, uh, we're grateful that we're continuing this series on emotions. Last Sunday, we talked to you about where is God when it hurts? And uh, today, what I want to do is I want to talk with you a little bit about uh, anxiety. And so I've got, uh, I just wanted to share with you the top 10 things, the most ridiculous things that you could ever say to someone who's struggling with anxiety, Okay. So here are the top 10 ridiculous things, and we're going to have Carrie online post this in the comment section so that you can find it. If you want to go back and find it, you can go to the Facebook comment section and get it here. Number one, the most ridiculous thing that you can say to someone who's, going, who's dealing with anxiety is, we all get anxious, just pull yourself together. Yeah. Number two, if you would just relax more, your anxiety will go away. Number three, have you committed some sin that God might be punishing you for? Ooh, yeah. You worry too much, number four, and worry never changes anything. Oh, I think I've said that. <laughs> if you just try harder, you wouldn't feel so stressed out. <laughs> number six, just ignore your problems and they'll go away. How's that for a solution, right? Just bury them under the carpet. Just sweep them under the carpet. <clears throat> Anxiety will kill you, so just snap out of it. That's number six, or number seven. And number eight, if you had more faith, you could stop worrying. Oh boy, terrible. Number nine, take a holiday and all your problems will be fixed. And number 10, the, of the 10 most ridiculous things to say to another person with anxiety, if I can cope with it in my life, surely you can cope with it in yours. Well, we're going to be talking about anxiety today, and before I do that, I have two confessions to make. One is about last week's sermon. Uh, some of you very smart people came up to me afterwards and challenged my uh, thoughts on a few uh, things that I said last week, and so I just want to talk about that for a minute because it kind of stayed with me. AJ and I had this conversation later in the week, and, and I had this conversation uh, with someone else. Uh, one of the things that somebody said was, all of those emotions, right? We gave you this emotion wheel and all of those emotions that were on there. How could Jesus feel shame and guilt? Isn't that as a direct result of sin? And uh, they rightly pointed out that I was mistaken in this, but I got to thinking about that. God said that Jesus experienced all the human emotions that we have. And so I started to wrestle with, how could that be true? And also it is true that shame and guilt are as a result of some sin that we've done in our life because Jesus wasn't sinful. And so I got to thinking about that. And if Jesus truly was fully human, then he must have been able to know how we feel. And the only thing, the thing that I kept going back to was this by the end of the week, it was that I think Jesus was able to know and understand what shame and guilt are because he hang around with enough people in his life to see shame and guilt in themselves. And he could feel those emotions, not because of anything that he did that was sinful, but because of what they had done that they felt guilt and shame for. So that's my first confession. Uh, keep me honest, folks. You know, uh, I, you know come, come to me and challenge me because sometimes I, I say a few things that, that maybe I, I should back up on. Uh, the, other the other confession that I have for you is, is this. First of all, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. And I follow Jesus. All right? And yet, I still struggle with anxiety. I know Jesus, and I love Jesus, and I follow Jesus, and I still struggle with anxiety. Sometimes it's overwhelming anxiety. 
I want you to know that. As a matter of fact, about two and a half years ago, uh, it got to such a point that I went to my family doctor and I said, I cannot manage the way I'm going. I, I'm, I'm in, he asked me this bunch of questions and he has this you know, test that he does in his office and he says, well, you're, you're depressed, you're anxious. And I said, so what do we do? He says, well, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do about that. There's exercises that you can do. There's, uh, there's vitamins that you can take that'll help you. There's uh, counseling that you can go through, but there's also medications that you can take. And so I received from my doctor a prescription for some medication for anxiety and depression. Can, can, can I just confess that to you? And hopefully maybe someone out there can get it through their head that we are physical, spiritual, emotional, and psychological and intellectual beings. And there is a place in our society for people to go to their doctor and get medicine to help them with their anxiety. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Those feelings, well, those of you who know what anxiety is like, you know what some of those feelings are. Your body physically responds to it, doesn't it? You get this physiological response to anxiety. You feel this, literally, it's like somebody's pushing down on your chest. Or maybe there's a tightness in your chest. Or you get a knot in your stomach, right? Uh, it can be some disorientation. Like, you, you can't focus. You can't think straight. And there were times over these last two years with COVID where I felt the weight of the workload of things that have changed, the overwhelming pain that I was going through with my back problems, the shortness of breath, the feelings of panic. And those things were real for me over the last two years. Now, praise the Lord, they've not been constant, right? I've had, I've had panic, like almost panic attacks at some points when uh, things have gotten so bad and I've talked with this with the elders, and I've talked with this with my wife, and I've talked with this with my family doctor. I talked with this with some of my friends because I need people in my life in order to have those conversations. I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. But we still deal with anxiety. You know, 2020 and 2021 is probably the longest two years of my life. Can anyone else agree? You know, the, um, you know, the, there's, you know, it's going to turn into an adjective, right? You know, I can already hear people saying, don't you COVID me, right? You know, uh, the, the anxiety and the worry are, are like, you know, becomes an adjective, this way that we've been behaving over COVID. Uh, some of us are, are fearful. Others of us are, you know, paranoid. Uh, you know, others of us are just hiding away and, and keeping away from everybody. All of that stuff increases our anxiety. In addition to the fact that the whole world shut down, for crying out loud, because of this mysterious illness that we never had, that we never had before, and on top of that were the disruptions. And on top of that was the racial tensions going on in our community. And on top of that was the political tensions going on. All of these things have added to our anxiety. There's biased news. There's other news. There's people putting out fake news, right? There's all kinds of stuff. And during that time, you can all probably go to a place where you have felt afraid, lonely, uncertain, that you've had no control over your situation, or maybe that you've even felt hopeless. 
According to the National Center for Health, I'm going to ask Carrie to put this on the, in the online chat if you want to find this again. In July 2019, so that's before COVID, July 2019, the uh, national rate of anxiety was 9% or 8.2%, the national rate in the United States. One year later, in July of 2020, that number was 36%. So it quadrupled in one year, the rate of anxiety across the United States. One year later in 2021, that number only dropped to 28%, which is still triple of what it was in 2019. One third to one, uh, well, one third to almost one half, well, not quite a half, I guess a a third of the population in the United States, and I would say in Canada as well, struggles with anxiety. One out of every three people. I mean, we talk about mental illness as one out of every five people struggle with a mental illness over the course of their lifetime, but that just compressed over the COVID period. And now that we're moving out of it, we're starting to see some of those numbers drop. There's a lot of things that I can talk about with some expertise, but I am not a counselor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a medical doctor. I have a doctorate in spirituality, right? Uh, You know, I can talk to you with some expertise about spiritual things, but anxiety has multiple phases, faces. Go to see a doctor. We have counseling available for free for anyone who attends Discovery Church, for you and your family and your spouse. You could go to get six free sessions of counseling. We'll pay for it from certified Christian counselors. I can't help you with the psychological needs that you have, but we have people who can. But I want to talk to you today about what Jesus did. And it might shock you to find out that Jesus dealt with anxiety. I want to walk you through this scripture passage today and show you how he dealt with it and what was going on in the midst of his life that he was feeling this anxiousness. Is it, is it a sin to be anxious? No. What you do with your anxiety or where it leads you could become a sin, much like anger, right? Jesus had righteous anger. He was into the temple. He was angry with the people there who were uh, defiling the temple. And so uh, he, he had that emotion and Jesus had the emotion of anxiety. Where does it lead? How do we deal with it? That's where sin creeps in, right? So I want to talk to you about how Jesus dealt with anxiety and about what he did in order to deal with that. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Leslie, who's going to read the scripture passage for us today, which comes from the book of Mark. We've read this passage just recently. So literally, I'm taking a passage that we used in, in April, and I'm bringing it back and using it again today because it highlights this theme perfectly. And then we're also going to read a passage from uh, the book of Ephesians. So go ahead, Leslie. We're going to take it out over to you. Mark 14, verses 32 to 36, Jesus prays in Gethsemane. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that, if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
and Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Leslie. Um, the first thing, I just want to, so I want to, uh, you know, talk with you about spiritually, how do we deal with anxiety, right? There's a lot of faces to anxiety. Please remember that uh, this is not a, a complete fix, but it is part of how you deal with anxiety. And we want to help you through that. Uh, one of the things that I did today in preparation for this is I put together an, a seven-week uh, uh, a workbook on how to deal with worry, how to get out of the worrying thoughts that are going through your head. And if you want to walk through these seven steps with, with seven weeks with me, uh, there's copies of it on the welcome table out in the, uh, in the hallway. And if you're online watching and you want a copy of this, how do I, you know, very simple things you can do over the next seven weeks to deal with the worry in your life, the worry anxiety, uh, just let me know in the comments and I'd be happy to share that with you. So what did Jesus do in order to deal with anxiety? All right, let's first of all, the first thing that he did was he, he talked to his friends. Here's Jesus, and he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane means crushed. When I was in Israel, uh, we went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, around the Garden of Gethsemane, there were several places where people would bring the olives, and they would crush them, and olive oil was produced, right? So there's this sense of going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, you know, the names in the Bible have, a, have meaning to them. So uh, the word crushed is also a sense about what's going on with Jesus in this moment. You know, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. There's this weight and this burden on him because he's going to the cross, right? Verse 20, or 32, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Uh, in the, the message version of this, which is a little bit more of a paraphrase, it says that he was plunged into a sinkhole of dread and agony. Excuse me. Plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. Uh, here it is. Jesus is feeling that anxiety. Why? Well, what happened to him just before this? Just think about all of the things that happened. We, I preached about this in April as our lead up to Christmas. Remember, Jesus was, uh, first of all, betrayed by Judas. Then he was denied by Peter and the other disciples. He was arrested and accused, and he was innocent. Um, he was rejected by the people of Israel. Um, then he was uh, uh, tortured. And then he was going to go to the cross. And in between this, uh, in bef right before the, uh, being arrested, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and says, he knows what's going to happen next. And all of these emotions must have been filled filling him with anxiety. All of these things that he had experienced, he was being filled with anxiety. First thing that Jesus does is he takes his friends along. He's having supper with the disciples, his grow group, right? He has supper with his grow group. I've been trying, we've been trying to get our grow group together for the last like three weeks. We finished our last grow group. We wanted to have supper together, we wanted a meal together. It's been a challenge. But he had meal with his disciples. And when he had this meal with him, he said, I, I want you to come with me. My, my soul is just overwhelmed. 
He said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. And then he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled, plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. All of these things are swirling around. And even worse than all of that is that Jesus never sinned. But he became sin for us. Just think about that for a second. You know, all of the lustful thoughts, all of the anger and the murderous ideas and thoughts that are going through your head and all of the betrayal that you think about and all of the things that, the lies that you've, that you've told and the omissions that you've made, you've pushed people away and you've uh, disregarded people's feelings. Jesus took all that on. He became that sin And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's like, I need to pray, but I need my people with me. I need these people to be with me because I don't want to be doing this alone. Verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He was so filled with anxiety that he thought it might kill him. I don't know if you can can relate. Some of you can you know exactly what I'm talking about. That your, your feelings and your emotions and the state that you're in, you feel so stuck. You feel unable to move. You're completely disoriented. You can't focus. And the thought goes through your mind. Maybe it would be better if I just wasn't here. And then what does he do? He says to his disciples, stay here. Keep watch. He tells his friends how he's feeling. First thing that Jesus does is he talks to his friends. I think one of the reasons why you, if you're struggling with anxiety, especially uh, uh, you know, during this COVID time or getting back together with people or because of getting back with people or because things are, are, are terrible in your life, I think one of the reasons we uh, struggle with anxiety is because we don't have community. We don't have a group of people that we can just say, this is how I'm feeling. And I think that in years to come, there will be all kinds of studies put out on how the impact of all of the isolation that we went through, especially for those kids, teenagers who went through this isolation, how it is probably going to impact an entire generation. I have no doubt. And one of the things that just um, opens up my heart with joy is when I hear people who come back together in community, whether it's their friend networks or coming to church. I mean, so many times I've seen people, the first time they come back to church, they've got tears in their eyes because they feel the joy of being together in community. I think that we need community. That's what grow groups are for. That's what church is for. That we can gather together and we can talk to the people who love us. And maybe, maybe hopefully, please Jesus, maybe hopefully love us more unconditionally than some others. Amen. We can say what's really going on. You know, maybe you, you do this, maybe you do this thing. You people say to you, how are you doing? Well, yeah, I'm fine. Hang it in there. How many people are you, do you feel comfortable with really going to that place where you're like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not okay. People who will take you for who you are. Wow. 
Just think about this in relationship to the idea of community. Uh, people come to me all the time and they say, Pastor Martin, would you pray for me? I, I'm, I'm like, absolutely. I'll, I'm happy to pray for you. But there's a big difference between praying for someone and praying with someone. Isn't that right? If I grabbed your hands, put a mask on, right? Put gloves on if that's what you needed, and I grabbed your hands and prayed with you. There's a big difference between praying for someone and praying with someone. What happens in that moment? Somehow our hearts connect that there's a bridge that connects the two of us and the Lord Jesus gets to walk across that bridge. The Holy Spirit does some work in that moment. There's this community, this connection that goes beyond praying for someone. It really only truly happens when you pray with someone. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed. Stay here with me. Stay with me and pray. Pray with me. So he, first thing that Jesus does, and this is not necessarily in, in the, you know, one, two, three order. This is just three points as they come out of this text, right? So Jesus, first of all, says to his friends, stay with me. So he talks to his friends about what's going on. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of grief. He's like, this is how I'm feeling. And the second thing that he does is he talks to his heavenly father. You know, I think one of the reasons why uh, Christians are prone to more anxiety than other people, you know, take this for what it's worth. I, I don't know for sure, but I think I think Christians may be prone to more anxiety than non-Christians because far too many Christians try to be good without allowing the Spirit of God to do the work that needs to be done. And they just keep trying to do good and they feel guilty when they can't. And they try to do good and they feel guilty when they can't. And that overwhelming sense of I can never be good enough is highlighted in the Christian community because we don't go to God first with what's going on. Um, I was driving in here, pulled into the parking lot. My car is the farthest one in the lot over there. And as I pulled in over there, the traction control light on the dashboard came on. The idiot light, right? <laughs> because if you ignore it, you're an idiot. idiot. Okay. Uh, the idiot light comes on. Is that the problem in my car? The traction control light? Is the light the problem? No. <laughs> He just blew that whole illustration out of the water. <coughs> Excuse me. It's probably not the problem. <laughs> the problem is, is that there may be something wrong with the actual traction control. Now, it could be just a sensor, but the light is not the problem. The sensor is the problem. Or there's maybe a problem with the traction control of my vehicle. I called the mechanic. I said, we got to go in. Uh, we have to pay attention to those indicators in our life. Anxiety is an indicator of something else that's going on in your life. It's alerting you to the fact that you need to pray. If you're feeling anxiety, it's alerting you to the fact that you need to pray. Jesus talked to his friends and he talked to his heavenly father. If you are feeling anxious, do as Jesus had done. And he says, I've got to get away and I need my friends to come with me. I need to tell them about what's going on. But most importantly, I need to tell my heavenly father what's going on in my life. Paul says in this passage that Leslie wrote, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, Bring your prayers and petitions to God. 
if your problem, your anxiety is big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. What are you worried about? What are the anxieties that are in your life? You know, are you, you worried about your marriage? Pray. Are you worried about your job? Pray. Are you worried about the election? Some of you are like, don't even get me started. Pray. <laughs> right? Maybe it's decisions about your kids, like what's, you know, schools they're going to go to or what they're dealing with in their school, what they're dealing with in their life. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray for. Maybe you got a loved one sick. Maybe you were like me this week and you had to stick that thing up your nose and test whether or not you had COVID and, and hopefully not skewer your brain by doing it. I was negative, by the way. I've just got a cold. I mean, if you're worried about stuff, pray. If it's on your mind, guess whose mind it's on as well? Jesus. If it's on your mind, it's already on his mind. He cares for you. Paul, in another portion of scripture, says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Anxiety is a signal. It's a signal to pray. Uh, Verse 35. Going a little farther... He, that's Jesus, fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he says, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. This is an honest prayer, right? Take this away from me. I don't want to do this. God loved him enough to hear his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you think that God loves you enough to do the same? What are the things that you're anxious about? When are those moments when you literally physically drop to the floor in your bathroom or on the grass or in your bed and you're like, I am overwhelmed with the anxiety I'm going on in my life. God loves you. He's inviting you to cry out to him. He's inviting you just like Jesus did. Father, take this cup from me. Jesus was saying in this moment, I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to take on the whole sin of the world. I will because it's your will, not mine. Father, if it's possible, please take this cup of suffering from me. And it was on the Father's heart as well. So talk to your friends, talk to God. Talk to your father, and then talk to your feelings. You remember those, right? Talk to your friends first, right? That was the first one. Friends, then talk to your father, and then now this one is talk to your feelings. Thank you. Talk to your feelings. That's the next one that I want you to think about. I want you to talk to your feelings, because this is what Jesus did in the passage here. Any one of you have these whacked out, crazy feelings in your life? Nobody else understands? Yeah? Yeah. And then there are those people that say, just follow your heart. Just follow your feelings. If I did that, I'd be in jail by noon. <laughs> Who is the dumb one that said that? Follow your heart. 
Well, that's going to get you into a lot of trouble. I mean, you got to talk to your feelings because oftentimes the things that you feel aren't real. They're not true. The things that, are, that you're feeling may not actually be true. Now, sometimes they are, right? But feelings are overwhelming and emotions are overwhelming. And sometimes they trick you into believing things about yourself or about others that are just not true. They're not, not real. Your feelings don't get to lead you you lead your feelings. I read a book by Billy Graham uh, quite a while ago, and I remember they, they included an illustration in the book, and he said it's kind of like a train. Uh, the engine is your thinking, and the caboose is your feelings. And far too many people have switched them around. And they get led by their feelings and then end up trying to think through their feelings. No, 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 wait a second. You're, it's the other way. Feel, your thinking comes first and your feelings come second. Your thinking leads you. It do, your feelings do not control the situation. Talk to your feelings. What do I mean by that? You've got to tell them that they're not the boss of you. <laughs> right? Your feelings are not the boss of you. My feelings are not the boss of me because they don't res- necessarily reflect reality. And a lot of times, it just does, didn't happen. Those feelings didn't happen. Here's what Jesus did. He talked to his feelings, and he talked to his feelings about his faith. Sometimes you just need to get up front in your feelings and just say, okay, I need to see this feeling in light of my faith. All right? That's what Jesus did. Look at the passage. Verse 36. Abba, Father, he said. Daddy. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Here it is. Yet not what I will, but what you will. What is he feeling? He's feeling, I don't want to go to the cross. But not my will, your will be done. Speak the truth to your feelings. You have to align your feelings with our faith. So the problem of many times with anxiety is that... um, um, that our feelings get in front of us and we become so fixated on the feeling that we cannot think through the reality of the situation. I want you to understand this. First of all, if you're feeling that God doesn't love you, the scriptures tell us that God does love you, no matter what. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son. If you're feeling alone, the truth is that you are not alone. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's the truth. When you feel like you're alone and there's strong feelings, you feeling rejected, God doesn't reject you. Maybe you're feeling worried about your finances. God says, I will supply your needs. And I'll give you so much if you trust me in this that I will you know, squish it down and make more room in the container and then give you more and then it will overflow, says Luke chapter six. Maybe you're feeling a victim, like you're a victim. The truth is, you are an overcomer. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Can I get an amen before I lose my voice? So what did Jesus do with anxiety? He talked to his friends, talked to his father, and then he talked to his feelings, right? And it worked. It worked. 
stumbles into the garden overwhelmed with anxiety, soul-crushing anxiety. They come to arrest him, right? To face an unjust trial, the unspeakable torture that's about to come, the excruciating pain, the death on the cross, all of that he knew was coming. And his soul is crushed. But he remains resolute. He remains strong. He remains determined. Even unshakable in that. And he even goes so far to the point that says, no one takes my life. I give it. I lay it down myself. And he says, Father, I'm going to give my spirit up into your hands. Father, the Bible says that he, he gave up his spirit. He chose to do that for us. If you're dealing with anxiety, I want you to do what Jesus did. Make sure that you've got a group of friends. People that you can trust to tell how you're really feeling. And if you're not connected with a group, I mean, church is probably one of the best ways you could do that. Get involved in a grow group. Hang out with some people that you trust and love that you give permission to, to to ask you stuff, the things that are going on in your life, and that you can talk to about what's going on in your life. The Apostle Paul, I'm going to read this passage from uh, Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. And I just kind of want to take that word anything, and I want to put in there maybe what you're feeling, all right? So think of the word anything here. What is anything? Well, it could be, do not be anxious about the virus. Do not be anxious about the elections. Do not be anxious about the future. Do not be anxious about your child or your marriage. Do not be anxious about any of those things, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, make, present your requests to God. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whose peace is it? God's. It's not your peace. It's God's peace that will transcend, that will be given to you, that, that's beyond our understanding. Bring it to God. If, you're, if you've got anxiety, that's your indication that you've got to bring it to God. The peace of God, not your peace, not the world's peace, because the world can't give it to you. The world can't take it away from you. There's no storm that you're going through. There's no obstacle that God won't help you overcome. There's no enemy that God won't defeat. There's no heartache that God can't heal if you go to him in prayer. You know, there might be those very desperate moments when you have no words and you don't know what to say. You're in the midst of that anxiety. You're stuck. You're feeling like just giving up, giving in. And letting it all come crashing down. I just want you to say the name Jesus in that moment. Just say the name Jesus. Even a whisper can break through. So that all your anxiety can be placed on him. I just want to remind you again, maybe some of you, like one of the main components of anxiety is worry. And 
you know, what happens when we, when we continue to worry about things and we continue to do that is that our brain literally forms habits that bring us back to that worry again and again and again. Prayer is the primary way that you can break that pattern because you bring it to God. What happens, you got to worry about something, you worry about it, and then you go away from it. And all of a sudden, you go back to it, and it's just as intense and just as wicked and just as evil as it was before. And then you go away from it, and you come back to it again, and it's right there, and it wants to control you. It wants to keep you from the joy that God has for you. Bring it to God in prayer. If you need help walking through a process of dealing with your worry. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to join me with the seven-week study about how to deal with the worry in your life. It's a simple process. You, it's a psychological process or it's a spiritual process where you can just kind of walk through, okay, I've got to get over this anxiety. I don't know how. It's become a habit in my life so much so that I can't even get away from the feelings, the strong feelings that are going on in my life. Ask me for how to do this. Simple things writing some stuff down, making some notes, figuring out what's going on in your life, having a chance to ask some conversation. You don't need to meet with me to do this, but just asking me to do it with you, you can be accountable in the process. Seven weeks. If you're interested in that, let me know. Anxiety is real. It's not a sin. What you do with it, where you go with it, can lead you to a place far from God where we feel like no one can help when God is always there waiting for you to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just give you thanks that you were the one who was willing to do all of that, to experience all of that for us. All of those emotions that we have, that we're dealing with, that we go through every day. Lord, I thank you that you know what it's like, that you understand you're not just out there away from us at arm's length, somewhere out in the sky, somewhere, but you know and you understand even though you did not sin. Lord, thank you that we have someone that we can go to when no one else is there, when no one else is around, when we feel like we're all alone, when we feel like we are hopeless, when we feel the soul-crushing weight of anxiety. Lord, help us into those moments to be prepared to pray to just turn it over to you, just whisper the name Jesus that you might save us from all that suffering. In Jesus' name, amen.